Hi, and welcome back to a podcast above a convenience store talking Twin Peaks. I'm Joe Freming from the Joe Down. With me, as always, is Paul Muadib. How you doing, Paul? Mr. Jackpots. <laughs> Hello! Hello! Uh, I'm doing yeah. good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm excited to talk this ep- especially this episode of The Return. Uh, it feels like a sleeper, but there's a lot of things going on here. Yes. And uh, I think... Uh, Let's uh let's jump into it. What do you yeah, say? I like it. I like that. Because yes. Let's, I let's feel this it. is blue rose. It's as blue as it comes. It's as blue. It doesn't get any bluer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh God. Uh yeah. It, this is a. Uh, I just want to staff with that. I just love that we, for the rest of the season, we get like a pretty much a buddy cop movie out of Cole and yes. Al. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely, I love it. I love it, and I just love how curmudgeoned uh, you know Albert has been, but also how much he's softened over the years. <laughs> <laughs> he's softened with edges, man. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, this episode is it's part four. It's titled mm-hmm. "Brings Back Some Memories." Uh, this is a this is a quote from Bobby Briggs. We'll get to and. Uh, yeah, and we'll get to some memories that brings back. Like when he shot that cop to death. <laughs> he shot that cop to death. Bobby killed a cop. Bobby killed a cop. Let's keep that in mind while we go through this entire episode. Bobby killed think, a cop. I don't think we've led up since the beginning of this podcast. No, I no, Bobby. No, I think this has been a rolling thing with it. Bobby killed a cop. Because oh, it's important. Yeah. It's important because we're going to get to something really crazy here. But before we get to that craziness, we're back at the Silver Mustang Casino, <laughs> uh, where our very confused Agent Cooper is just um, mopping the floor. <laughs> oh, he is, he is fucking up that casino so bad. <laughs> um, I, I would imagine in real life, uh, <laughs> security would have uh, kicked him out after the second <laughs> jackpot in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Possibly the third. Not the 20th? <laughs> Not the 29th. <laughs> if he, or 30th, if we count the one he gives to the the nice old lady. Yep. Yep, he points to that again for her, and she goes to it, and he's uh, earned the nickname Mr. Jackpots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, while he's there, uh, he gets recognized by uh, an associate. Uh, it's, uh, his associate is obviously Willem Black from Mallrats. <laughs> I love this cameo. Maybe. Do you think he finally saw the schooner, Paul? No, no and it's a sailboat. <laughs> it's a sailboat. It's a sailboat. <laughs> you know what? There's no Easter Bunny. That guy over there, that's just a guy in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we're getting like kind of in the crazier cameos. Uh, and when this was going into production, it seemed like everybody wanted to be in it. Yes. And they pretty much got everybody to be. In it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it, just the, the interaction between, between Dougie Jones, Bill, and Candy is just. 
I think he wants to go home. Like, it, it, so, yeah, Dougie's lost, and uh, uh, Bill. It's funny when they when it, uh, we'll see this with Dougie or Cooper. It's basically Cooper. Dougie has been melted into a golden ball, like we talked about last. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, when they're talking to Cooper, they're just talking to a blank slate who just repeats what he hears. So it's like they're just having a one-sided conversation. I can imagine it gets quite flustering for <laughs> people. Well, uh, yeah. The viewer the first time along for me, like this was like one of the tough things to kind of wrap my head around was the Dougie character. Yes, and I have to say, on the second walk, watch through now, I love it. I'm actually enjoying it and laughing my ass off during this. Um, just, I mean, the thing with Bill and Candy, you know, Bill's like, yeah, you, yeah, you need to go home, you know, the red door. And Candy's like, I think something's wrong with him. <laughs> and Bill just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> the part where Cooper wants to take his hot dog. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I, was like I, I haven't eaten since breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So, yeah, that happens. And then he keeps saying he wants to go home. So then he starts to leave. And the casino's like, Wait a minute, where the fuck is this guy going? Which would have been the easiest thing in the world. Just let him go. Just let him go. We didn't know who he was. <laughs> but they are determined to give him his winnings. Yeah. Was it Brett Gilman plays the, yes. the hapless uh, <laughs> casino yes. manager? Yes, 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 that is him. And he does, I just love it. You come back very soon or <laughs> some night. Or some night. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a, he's trying to do like a macho thing, but uh, Cooper's just mimicking him. So he, <laughs> he just kind of backs out. Because <laughs> he thinks Cooper's like messing <laughs> him up too. Oh, God. So funny. So <clears throat> they give Cooper a limo. And he can't give him an address. He's just telling him about a red door. And the limo guy's like... <laughs> I don't know what to do. Anything look familiar? Uh, and it, it is something he lives on Lancelot Court. Yes, uh, which is uh, it, you know Gastonbury, Gastonbury Grove, and all that is all kind of, kind of all kind of shades of like we of the pet of uh, what we got in the past. Kind of uh, we're getting kind of like nods and winks here for that sort of thing. <laughs> this poor little driver just driving around at night. Trying to find a red door. <laughs> <laughs> There's Cooper with this giant sack of money. Which I'm pretty sure Casino's just going to write you a check. Yeah, I was going to say, where's the... They just gave a fucking burlap sack full of thousands of dollars. <laughs> oh, my God. So, eventually, the driver's like, I think this is it. And... Cooper doesn't know what to do when he gets out, so he just yeah. stands there with the driver. The driver just stands with him, like, I'll just stay out here with you, buddy. <laughs> oh, my God. Like I said, I was I didn't know what was going on the first time I watched it, but the second time around, it's just like, oh, my God, I know what's coming, so this is great. And in comes fucking Naomi Watts, Janie E., who anytime she does something with Lynch, she is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, before Janie shows up, though, we do see an owl 
Oh, yes. We get a hoot and we see an owl and the limo driver's like, I hate those things. They spook me or whatever. That's but right. it's, uh, it does catch Cooper's attention. Mm-hmm. Kind of giving us a hint that Cooper's in there somewhere. He just, uh, he's, he, it's like he's, he's trapped in this uh, and body. Yes. Yes. He'll have sight. He'll have moments of recognition. Uh, it's it, it's really slowly played out. Uh, but again, like on the rewatch, it's a lot more entertaining because like you get to take in more of the humor mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of trying to like when's Cooper coming back? Like once yeah. more that's coming. Yeah, and- absolutely. It, it, this is the quirk. This is the new quirk, and I like the new quirk. <laughs> Janie is uh, she's not happy. Uh, Dougie's been gone for three days. <laughs> Miss Sunny Jim's birthday. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And the best part is like this is uh, Dougie's wife, and it's <laughs> it takes her like like not until morning to realize not only has a he has a different haircut, but he's lost a lot of weight too. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so she's chewing him out, and then, you know, they kind of have, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but Mr. Chuck, oh yeah, Mr. Jackpots. <laughs> he points at himself. Mr. Jackpots. <laughs> and she opens it up, and she realizes he's won like $400,000 <laughs> off of slots. Which is just... Oh, God. <laughs> well, and when you think about it, now I, I'm not a big gambling guy. I don't really enjoy gambling, but I've been out to the casinos. Um, I can count on my hand on my hands the number of times I've been out to a casino. Um, but you know, when you put in just like a like a single quarter, you're not even playing for the max bet. You're going to get the lowest amount. So him playing single quarters and winning $400,000 is nuts. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Well, at least they kind of explained, like, <clears throat> you know, that's how it's <laughs> 400000 You had to hit, like, 30 jackpots on this. <laughs> right? Just, just fuck this casino over. Then we get something interesting. She talks about the debts, and they can pay it off. And yeah. we don't know what's going on there yet. And she even does, we can pay them back, which sounds uh, ominous. Ominous, yes. We could pay them back. And now uh, we get, oh, Denise is back. Denise is back. Denise is back. And did you catch who, uh, who plays uh, Bill? I, I, I saw, I, he looked familiar. Who, who was that? Uh, that would be one uh, Richard Chamberlain. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Richard Chamberlain. Again, there's so many cameos in here. Uh, so many. And, uh, yeah, so Cole is visiting Denise, who is now the chief of staff of the FBI. Yes. Uh, yeah. And he, he he's basically there because he wants uh, Tammy with him and Albert. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is kind of like you're going back to secret history around this time. I think this is when they, they're having her go through the dossier. Yes, the scene she's here on screen. Yeah, and I think that's what we kind of realize is that she's being groomed for Blue Rose. Yeah, and uh, it's, uh, you know, he's telling Denise very loudly that they found Cooper. (laughs) He's in a federal prison in South Dakota. (laughs) And Denise keeps like, yeah, you got to type 
Gordon. <laughs> like he's like, what are you getting at, Denise? <laughs> getting a little defensive. Yep, uh, and she calls him out for liking the girls in their thirties. <laughs> but he responds, he has enough dirt on her to fill the Grand Canyon. And he's never used an ounce of it. <laughs> but and when uh, he was uh, when Denise was going up in the ranks, he also told uh, the schmucks higher ups to fix their hearts or die, which is one of my favorite quotes. Yes. Yes, this is so progressive. And the fact that he laid the groundwork for this 25 years. Like, this doesn't feel like pander. You know no. what I mean? This is, he set the groundwork for Denise being an excellent FBI agent back, you know, in season two. Yeah. And now you got where this character went. Like, this makes sense. Like, there is a connection here. And it is really, really great to see that person in the trans community uh, is being represented this way. And even at something as important as the, the CIA, or the, excuse me, the, uh, the chief of the FBI. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, and, you know, it's, uh, Denise was really good at her job. Uh, we saw mm -hmm. that, because you know, when we saw Denise last, Denise was in uh, DEA. Yep. And uh, made the the jump over to FBI again and Rose and now she is Cole's boss. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I got to say, I just, for me, maybe it was me liking Denise so much, but I also got the feeling, you know, Lynch really played the, the people's acting kind of loosey goosey in this, in, in this uh, series, I felt. And uh, I felt that you very much got to see how much uh, David Duchovny enjoyed being Denise. Yes, yeah, uh, I think uh, I think David Duchovny really loved that character. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and again, this is also a show that set the groundwork to, for what would be his biggest claim to fame, would be the X Files. Which would be the X Files, yeah. So he owes he owes Lynch uh, basically his career. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I just Denise and I just I love how they've always treated this character with respect. Uh, mm -hmm. It would have been easy, especially in the early 90s, it would have been very easy to go clownish and kind of dickish with it. And they really didn't. No, no. Lynch was ahead of his time on this. And it really goes to show. Yeah. So now we got Lucy on the phone. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> with Sheriff Truman <laughs> about the thermostat. <laughs> And she's trying to understand how a thermostat works when no one's in the building. <laughs> uh, Lucy, it still works. It's <laughs> it's, it's so great. It's so great. And, and then she, and we find out Lucy isn't very good with technology at all, especially with uh, cell phones, you know, being around for like the last 30 years. <laughs> Mm -hmm. still struggling with the concept that you can be mobile and talking to somebody on the phone. <laughs> so, so Sheriff Truman walks in and she freaks out, falls out of her chair and Andy's pissed at the Sheriff Truman and he's like, I was just outside. Come on, my reception died. I had to come in. <laughs> oh. And I also just want to add that Andy and Lucy and what we find out is Wally have the weirdest family photo <laughs> at her desk. Yes. 
It looks like the worst Photoshop job I've ever seen. <laughs> and when we're when we, when we go, let's talk about that because there are some conspiracy theories about this. Um, because they don't think that's Wally. Um, when you look at the secret history, yes, all the retcon stuff. There is a there is a fringe fan theory that it the original baby was Tremaine's and died and. Lucy lost the baby, and that Wally came a couple of years after, but it doesn't make sense because of what they said that the last time they saw Cooper was when Wally was born. So, yeah, but that's something that people looked at that photo because it really was like, this doesn't make sense. This is something here. No, it's just quirky. It's bizarre. Yeah. And the fact that they don't have a more recent photo of their kid is even better. <laughs> but it fits with Andy and Lucy. You know? mm-hmm. It's not like they have a cell phone to take a picture of them <laughs> And to be clear, this is not Sheriff Harry S. Truman. Nope. This is nope. Frank, who we briefly met in uh, Secret History. Uh, I mean, the, the book kind of laid the groundwork as there's two Trumans. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, and it's played by. The always amazing Robert Forrester. <laughs> so great. Every time he's in something, I'm just happy to see him. Who was originally supposed to play Harry S. Truman in uh, the original Twin Peaks. Or he was up for the role, but he couldn't do it. Yep. Which would have been a totally different Harry than we know. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that's not how that played out. I agree. Although, I th- would you think they would have had the affair with... Could you imagine <laughs> the affair between Josie... And Robert Forrester. Yeah, it's just like he's, he's just such a different kind of actor. It's, mm-hmm. And we wouldn't have had the dynamic between, I think, between the same dynamic at least between Cooper and Harry. I agree. I uh, agree. They, those two had such great on-screen chemistry. Uh, yeah, but you know, Robert came back for twenty-five years later to pick up the mantle of a Harry or a Sheriff Truman. A uh, Sheriff Truman. Then we get to see that. The offices of the sheriff station in Twin Peaks has evolved over the years. Yeah, they actually have a, a lines nine one one operator, and they have a whole crew of police officers now in this tiny little town, and the sheriff station, whole bunch of deputies. Yeah, the, the world expands. The world is growing of Twin Peaks, uh, and we meet one of these uh, new officers. Oh, Chad. Chad. Oh, Chad. You can oh, tell right off that we're, we're not supposed to like Chad. He's, he's a schmuck. He's a mm. schmuck. And we're also learning that uh, there's drugs still going rampant in Twin Peaks. Uh, some things never change. Kid ODs at the high school. We've heard that story before. <laughs> yeah. We... <laughs> I wonder if it was the dancing kid. Oh, God. <laughs> dancing guy. He's, he's older now, and he's dancing away somewhere else, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> he, they should have brought him back from the fucking roadhouse. So, yeah, we hear about this kid, and it really bothers Truman. And as he's walking by, we see someone familiar, Joe. <laughs> it's Bobby. It's the guy who killed a cop. <laughs> the guy who killed a cop. A guy who... Who tried to kill Leo Johnson, a guy who was running cocaine. 
He's a deputy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Paul, given like the people we knew in high school who were probably running cocaine, I, I don't see this as too much of a big surprise. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm not going to say names, but I know a guy who didn't run coke, but he ran weed and a lot of it. And he's now a fucking uh, um, state trooper. <laughs> Makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but Bobby, uh, he has to run to the bathroom because, uh, you know, that also seemed like a like another callback of when uh, Cooper. Cooper, was, yep. Uh, the teeth are he, had to, he had to pit, take a giant piss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got Andy explaining cell phones to Lucy. <laughs> and, uh, and then Hawk filling in Truman on Margaret Lanterman's uh, clues about yes. Cooper being missing. And Truman seems, interestingly enough, okay with this. Yeah, I think, uh, well, he's a Twin Peaks, you know, he's from the town. So it, it, mm-hmm. it'd be, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of re- high regard for uh, Log Lady, uh, even though she's been banned from the sheriff's station because of, her love for that gum <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah. like stashing it under tables as we saw she was doing and I think it was like either the first or second season when <laughs> Norma costs her about it. Yes. Now I want to bring up a little bit of the backstory of Frank Truman because we I mean as much as we talked to him on on the secret history, you bring up a really good point because he was okay, so Harry F um uh, Harry S. Truman was named after Truman, and Frank was named after Franklin Roosevelt. So he gave, according to Twin Peaks lore, Frank Truman gave Hawk his nickname. Yeah, and he Which was, Hawk was not a, happy about. No, no, but he carried it, and he was on the football team. He was captain of the football team alongside Harry, Ed, Hank, Thad Barker, and Jerry Horn. So there was a lot there. Then he left and went to the Vietnam War, came back uh, to be to become sheriff, and then left. And that's when Harry took it over. And then, so, yes, I think you're right. I think he's very well attuned to the woods. I think uh, it's also implied that he was a bookhouse boy. And um, so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like when when Margaret gives them a warning, he's like, all right, we got to take this seriously. Which Chad doesn't want to, and Frank basically tells him to get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Nobody likes Chad. Uh, <laughs> he's just no. like a, he's just such a prick. Uh, well, I think it's either next episode or the episode after. We'll find out he has some shenanigans going on in Twin Peaks too. That uh, is, he's he's yeah he's he's not a good guy. <laughs> no, no. So, you know, they, Andy and, and Lucy enter, and they also defend, you know, the log lady from his shit. And then Bobby comes in and sees the photo of Laura, which gives us our uh, title for the episode. And he does a pretty convincing job of being legitimately upset. Yeah, and this is, like, one of the few moments of fan service we kind of get. We get, this episode has some weird fan service. Uh, we'll get into it with a thumbs up from Cooper. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's just like you know, it's like it, this is this season. Like, if you want fan service, you got to earn it. 
this was one of those ones I think it was like, here's a free pass. And it's like, he sees Laura's picture and then Laura's theme kind of just whooshes over the soundtrack. Uh, and he's like, it brings back some memories. And uh, I'm sure it did. I wonder if it brought back the memory of the time him and Laura killed that cop. Killed that cop <laughs> over, over a baby powder, over baby formula? Laxative. <laughs> <laughs> So and then they we find out that Bobby uh, was the last person that, that that he brings up that his father Briggs was the last person to see Cooper alive, which Truman and Hawk this is news to them, and so now they're thinking okay we got something here something weird's going on. Then Officer Jesse comes in and announces that there's a Wally Brando here. <laughs> hey, fucking hate Wally Brando. I. This goes back to probably like my irrational hatred of Michael Sarah. Okay, like, I've only liked him in Arrested Development, mm-hmm. and I, I didn't mind him in Superbad, but like he's always just been playing George Michael to me. And I, yes, I can't stand that. It's just like he's a one-trick pony, and I just, I it drives me batty. <laughs> However, I did like him in Wet Hot American Summer uh, when he played the attorney. <laughs> Yeah, he has his moments, but I just, he just bothers me. It's, this is one of those things. He's just, he's just one of those actors that just, I I really just don't like. And, like, he's, we get this extended scene. Like, well, so they all walk out, and there's Wally Brando. Uh, pretty spot on with his, like, uh, Marlon Brando getup from the Wild Bunch, Wild I one. think. Wild one, yeah. <laughs> and he's just... I just, I just wish that motorcycle would have flown off a cliff, like how I wish that would have happened with James. Here's okay. I did not like Wally Brando my first watch through. This watch through, I appreciated Wally Brando more. Um, you really get the sense that uh, there's something lodging with this kid because this is definitely. Lucy and Annie, like, he is nothing like his parents. And he gives this big speech, and, you know, yes, he's he's doing this Marlon Brando impression, and Truman is, just thinks the whole thing's awkward. But just kind of the way he speaks and the way he's talking to him, like, hey, you know what, this is your dharma, that's my dharma. You know, it was just kind of like, I could see where Lynch was trying to put some stuff in there and make a, a little bit more weighty. With that character, that said, there is also another conspiracy as we that we talked about that the baby died, okay, um, shortly after childbirth, and Frank hired an actor all their life to be the kid. This is a serious, uh, a fringe, I shouldn't say serious, but a fringe theory on this thing. Like, people do not believe this is Andy and Lucy's kid, it is essentially where you go. Yeah, if... This is uh, this conspiracy is true. I'm going to quote Lockhart and say, "Wrong kid died." <laughs> <laughs> wow, brutal. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is this is obviously uh, Andy and Lucy's kid. I mean, look at his fucking parents. Like, yeah, they're goofy as shit, and they have this goofy kid. This is yeah, I, I, he's. He's just obnoxious. I didn't like this character. I, I still don't. It's 
There's two low moments of this of the return for me. This, and then uh, we'll get to the other one. Uh, it's a callback. I I got so angry, I had to take a walk. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm interested to hear that when we get to Oh, you it. know what it is. Spoiler, everybody. Oh, I know what it is. back with his stupid song. I know what it is. Okay, I thought there was another one, because I thought we didn't talk about that one. I got you. Okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But we do find out Harry Truman is uh, Wally's godfather. Yes. Yep. And and Truman just kind of goes off. He's just like, I can't. I can't with this kid. (laughs) That's how I felt, too. You know, like, me and Truman are in the same boat with that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's uh, let's get away from Wally before I, I, I you know, before I have an aneurysm from rage. <laughs> uh, let's go because we go to Dougie Jones. It's morning. His, his clothes are laid out for him like a child. And <laughs> God, that's an ugly fucking suit. Can we say that's an ugly suit? That's an ugly suit. Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> just that lime green jacket. And it is way too big for him. <laughs> Oh, I mean, he dresses like Trump with the oversized suits. <laughs> well, at least he's more likable. Um, and I thought about this when what you said our last episode when I was watching this particular scene, and I, you nailed it. Like, you really, really nailed it when you said this is, he's a toddler. He's an infant. He's a blank slate. He doesn't even know how to urinate in the toilet. No. And he had 25 years of urine to unleash in that, too, you know? <laughs> he's doing the pee-pee dance, and Janie's treating him like he's an, like he's a six-year-old child and takes him to the bathroom. <laughs> this, really, this really makes me wonder what Dougie and Janie's life, was it really that much different than this? I, this is the thing. There's such a crazy dynamic between those two. I want to see that. Like, make someone, Frost, write that book. Like, write the book. About the Joneses, the Joneses, living with the Joneses, make it happen. <laughs> oh, because she doesn't ever seem like there's anything wrong with him. She just gets mad because he's not doing what she said. <laughs> it's like this is yes, this is Janie's life. Like I mean, I guess this Dougie's not that different from the Dougie from before. <laughs> no, and then she gets him dressed and she's like, "You have to do the tie because I can never get that right." And um, at this point, is it this? Yeah, it's this point where Cooper's looking at the floor, and he sees the the red room. Yep, Mike is trying to contact him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tells Mike, him something. It, it is credited as Philip Gerard in the credits. So okay, I don't so, know. I'll just call him Mike just to keep that we've been calling him Mike since. So let's um. Yeah, let's talk about that because he says something very important, which is basically one of them has to die. Yep. He he informs him you were tricked. Yep, you were tricked. Now one of you has to die. And now Dougie has to pee. And now Dougie, and then that's when Dougie goes to take a pee. Oh, so God. he's trying to put this tie on, and we meet Sonny Jim. <laughs> Sonny yeah. Jim is special because Sonny Jim does not care that his dad was not at his birthday. So it makes me think this this is a chronic thing with Dougie. <laughs> Dougie just takes off for three, four days around important events for Sonny Jim because he just cannot handle them. 
Yeah, well, he had to get those two rides from Jade. <laughs> Jane, you mean Jade gets two rides? <laughs> <laughs> and then we, yeah, it's, uh, so he has a kid and he gives him, like, so we got, Sonny Jim gives him the thumbs up and we get a, kind of a Cooper thumbs up. <laughs> kind of a Cooper thumb. Like, there's a couple of things here that I know Lynch was going to, you know, was baiting the audience and saying, okay, this is when he's going to snap out of it. Like, this is going to get him out of it, you know? Yeah. Because there's a couple of things here. It's the thumbs up. And what else, Joe? Uh, well, for me, it, like, there's a couple of that's He's looking in the mirror, too, which was another one. I, that's an obvious uh, bait. Uh, we know Bob isn't in there, but it's just like, uh, last time we saw Cooper staring in a mirror, his face is all bloody, and he was wondering, how's Annie? And then the other is, uh, well, let's get to the other here because Cooper comes down the stairs to like one of the greatest uses of take five. I can't, this is one of those songs that's so perfect for this scene. Like I couldn't imagine another song used. No, no, this was perfect. And he's got, he's got the tie wrapped around his head. <laughs> he's just yeah <laughs> oh god i'm just this whole scene has just had me like just tears in my eyes just because <laughs> sonny jim has to teach his dad how to eat pancakes <laughs> <laughs> I know. he's watching he doesn't understand it and sonny jim just thinks he's being funny <laughs> like <laughs> no there's no it's just you know it's my dad it's dougie <laughs> oh but then we get to the second like oh is this when cooper's coming back and uh Janie drop puts a cup of coffee down. It's the first word he says that I don't think it was a repeat of whatever other people says. He literally says coffee. Yes. Yes. And, uh, and then he takes a <laughs> takes a sip, burns his mouth, and then, because he only knows so many words, he just says hi. <laughs> he sits out. He's got coffee going on. She turns around. What is going on? Hi. <laughs> It just ends on the perfect note. That whole scene, oh, is brilliant. Like, that is absolutely the humor, the sense of humor of Lynch that I love. Same here. It's it's just so well done. Again, like, using take five, mm-hmm. it's like, it's just <laughs> the rhythm and everything, it's just it's so fucking hilarious. <laughs> Think about it. They could have had the rights to any fucking song, and they do take five. <laughs> yeah, just like pretty much like one of the few times like within the show, it's not an Angelo piece. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that they did that, but it's it's so hilarious. And then like, when I first watched this when it was airing, and it just cuts out, I was like, oh, I bet Cooper's back now. Right, because you know? that's what you think. Because hi, you think the he snapped out of it. He's come to his no, no, no. We're not, dear listeners. We're not going to fuck with you like the show did. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> and so uh, we do get some more information. There is a hit on the the on uh, the body found at Ruth Davenport's place, but it's mm-hmm. military authorization only. Leaving uh, the Buckhorn Police Department. Uh, now has to deal with deal with the federal government. Yep, and that which we'll find out later sparks something. But uh, now we are uh, we got Cole 
Albert and Tammy in South Dakota, where a clearly distraught Gordon Cole realizes they're nowhere near Mount Rushmore. <laughs> so what did, what, did, what did Albert do, Joe? <laughs> he printed out a picture of it for him. <laughs> Knowing full well that he was going to ask about it. Yeah. Oh, God. Faces of stone. It's so uh, and then we great. Find, and then Albert tells uh, Cole that Tammy, uh, she gets car sick, to which Cole replies, Cossacks are in Russia. We're in South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> Where we finally see Albert at his wit's end and just yells. <laughs> which scares Cox. the driver. Which scares the driver. And we learn that Tammy is... She gets sick in cars. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh man, I could have, I seriously, I could just, uh, this should have been the buddy cop show spinoff. Absolutely. Of Twin Peaks. I could watch David Lynch and Miguel Ferrier on screen with each other for hours. Like, <laughs> just mm-hmm. the, the <laughs> dynamic between these two. This is also kind of fills in. The gap too from the original show because uh, they're they're basically operating as kind of like the the Harry and Cooper relationship mm-hmm. here of yes. the yeah I caught that right away too and it is but it's brilliant with these two characters like it what this what this needed um, so they go to the prison and they find out why he's being held because of the contents of his truck of his trunk <laughs> where there's a bunch of coke, a machine gun, and a dog's leg. <laughs> just, it's just the most bizarre thing. But and they all come into play. Uh, they all make a certain sense, especially the dog's leg. Especially the dog's leg. That does actually become a... Like, you think it's going to be one of those weird Lynchian things that you're never going to learn about. Oh, you'll learn about the dog's leg. Yeah, uh, we don't find out about the coke or gun. No. No. <laughs> Because we could guess what the cocaine and the machine gun were for. We can we could deduce that, but the dog's leg, we're gonna find out what that is for sure. And they get finally get down the interview. Joe, talk about this interview. Uh Cooper greets them with backward talk, and it's very subtly done. He says he's very very uh happy to see uh Gordon Cole. Uh, I missed this the first time I saw it, but like uh, I don't know about you, Paul, but I went on message boards and stuff after these episodes aired to see what people's uh, theories were. And yes. some, some people picked up on it right away. And uh, yeah, uh, he, he says very backward. Yes. And, and, and I, I should have realized that because uh, Cole brings it up later. Yes. And I didn't catch it at first either, but you know, when I watched it for this episode, I have my. I always have my subtitles on now, because I'm old and I'm crotchety, and I want my fucking subtitles. And they actually spell it out backwards in the subtitles as well. So if you had subtitles on, I would imagine that you would have caught it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or and you know. Uh, yeah. Precisely. And uh, it's a weird. Uh, Mister C's voice is very strange here. It's very very strange. like. Very slowed down. It feels like uh, uh, it 
feels almost like Lodge speak. Mm-hmm. Except it's not backward, except for the one word. But he's very like monotone. Uh, he's very. He's just really odd. This is like it's one of the only times I think of the return we see Mister C like this. I would agree with that, and he is the cadence of his talk is very slow, and he repeats himself. Yeah, to... he's like he's like a broken record. Mm-hmm. Now. I have a theory about this, and it's because we know that Bob is in him, and Bob doesn't like to be locked up. And I think Bob is is causing some conflict internally. I think so, too. Uh, we kind of... Bob is not in control at this point. I think Bob is usually at least uh, running the show. Mm-hmm. Or, but uh, I think it's either the next episode we get... Uh, one of the most bizarre cameos. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, we'll talk about it then, but it's just like, uh, we find out that Mr. C is at one point concerned about whether Bob's with him or not. Right. And so, yeah, because he talks about how he was working undercover with Phil Jeffries, which uh, very blatantly upsets Albert. Yeah. Uh-huh. And... He was on his way to tell Cole about his activities when he had the car accident, and he repeats that line. And you could tell also that Gordon knows that there's this something, this isn't the Cooper that he knows. Yeah, and he, he realizes there's something going on with Albert because Cooper at one point, Mr. C says, he's left messages, say, indicating, like, you know, like, I've left messages at your kind of like at your office or something, or with the bureau and uh albert gets kind of a shifty look on his face uh we if we remember from the i believe it was the first episode albert's posing as philip jeffries yes uh to mr c Mm -hmm. to try and control and try and get him in so as they're leaving um cole makes the suggestion that cooper make his phone call because he asked if he's gotten his phone call yet they're like nope he hasn't gotten his phone call he's like you let him have his phone call, and you let us know what it was. Like, he makes yeah. it very clear that they are due tap this phone. Yeah, uh, but the, uh, here's the thing. Uh, it, unless you're calling a lawyer, and even then, uh, prisons cannot absolutely monitor a prisoner's phone call. Uh, absolutely. There's no right to privacy once you're in a prison. Nope. No, you give up that right. So, um, then... Cole sends Preston away. Go away. Go away, little girl. <laughs> it's kind of dismissive. <laughs> she's like, she's not happy about it. And this no, whole scene and... is bathed in a blue hue. Yes. And you also get some uh, some old boys club sexual kind of reference going on there. You know, it seems like as much as they're progressive about Denise, this particular scene and the way that they're staring at these old, two old men are staring at Tammy Preston's ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, uh, I, you know, uh, it's... It is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, yeah. It, it, considering how Cole was in the original series and how snarky Albert is, it would maybe it wouldn't even feel in character if they wouldn't have done something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I do think maybe there was a reference to this is what it's like for women. Like this, we've established 
Lynch is very progressive in his beliefs. And so I think there's something deliberate there that he was trying to say, and it may have been misrepresented. But anyways, <laughs> Gordon turns his thing all the way up. And so he can whisper. <laughs> yep, yep, so he can whisper. And it is very serious, this conversation. Very, very super serial. Yeah, he was not happy with uh, the interaction with uh, Cooper and Albert. He picked up on that pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And... Troubles him. It, yes. And you find out that Albert, that he had authorized, that Jeffries had reached out to him at some point. And Cooper needed information about their man in Columbia. And after... Albert gave the information to Philip, who gave it to Cooper. That guy was killed a week later. Yeah, which uh, would would have landed Albert in really hot water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he got upset. he got probably either an informant or a federal agent killed. Yes, yes, not not the best look for Albert. And but that's that's. There's also uh, Cole. Uh, he's he's confused. Uh, he he uh, he's he, and this is where it gets back to the very thing. He says, "I don't think he greeted me properly." Mm-hmm. And Albert did pick up on that too. Uh, the backward talk. Uh, you know, they've been investigating with Blue Rose uh, the long activities and stuff, so th- I, they're well aware of what that these things exist, uh, you know, and we find out later that they've had interactions with them. Uh, yes. And Albert shifts his feet, which <laughs> damn near kills Gordon Cole. God. Uh, oh, God. Oh, uh, God. But then you go back, Gordon is very serious. He's, I don't understand the situation at all. And he's like, ask Albert, do you? Albert just says, Blue Rose. To mm-hmm. which Cole replies, Paul. Doesn't get any bluer. And now they need to get somebody in there to talk with Cooper. Albert doesn't know where she lives, but he does know where she drinks. And then cuts to the roadhouse and we get Orvar Simone. Orvar, can't even say it, Simone playing Lark. Yes. And... Which really, like I said, this is my that was my first introduction to them, and I absolutely adored them. Uh, something to note as well: I noticed that this particular episode was not dedicated to anyone. Yep, I noticed that too. Uh, the my Blu-ray set also. This was like uh, part the last two episodes was presented as a double. Yes. Episode, so that might be part that, of it. That might be exactly it. Yes, because on my set as well. It says episodes one and two to be played together and three and four to be played together. Yep. But yeah, this is, uh, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, so Blue Rose is now back. Uh, we don't, I guess, we don't, we don't know much about what they know, or but they do know something is up with Cooper. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't trust him. Uh, they want, they actually have the, the cops. They're like, we can hold him for 24 hours without any charges. Or 48 hours. Uh, Cole's like, do that. Uh, they can't let him out. Yes. If, he's, if he gets let out, he's just going to vanish again. Yep. They know that this is not 
not a good thing. And we will find out more about this as it goes on. And uh, this, you know, so again, one and two were full be played together. Three and four were full be played together. That's they were released all at the same time. And what is your take of these first four? Now we're going back through it. You know, we discussed it. What is your take on the four at this point? Uh, I re- so <laughs> when I rewatched this, the return for the first time, I remember sending you a message saying, I honestly, after like knowing what's to come and now, but I was like, I think it was four episodes. And I think this is probably the most straightforward thing Lynch has done since straight story. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, there's a lot of mystery and stuff, but it's, I, it's pretty, pretty like, you know, there's tons of surreal stuff, but it's also pretty straightforward with it. Like, yes, that's something I wanted to mark in this particular part, part four, especially there isn't a lot of the symbolism, the metaphor, the uh, esoteric. This is a very straightforward episode outside of Wally Brando. Everything is pretty much what you would expect in a story. And I think this is one of the great things because this show does so well is the balancing act between them. Because there's a lot of shit that happened in episode three that we, again, we tried to explain on that last episode, but it's so hard to verbalize it. And then you get to this one and it's like, hey, we can explain this entire episode because this is normal. Yeah. This is a straightforward episode. Yeah, even with the surreal moments. And then because after episode three, it's not until like part eight where we get more, a lot of the unexplainable surrealism. Uh, I yeah, that's going to be a fun episode to tackle. Yeah, but uh, you know, this is kind of like uh, it's this is Twin Peaks, and it's straight. And I just remember like being baffled again when it, these first aired. I wa- I binged them mm-hmm. these four episodes on Showtime, leaving me utterly baffled because like, I didn't know what to expect, and I certainly didn't expect this. <laughs> no, no, I did not expect this at all. And so yeah, and. So on rewatching and then like rewatching the series and outside of like episode parts like uh, three and part eight and a lot of it is pretty straightforward and it's surreal and has like a like it, this is not like uh, uh, you know the we kind of like the weirdness of weird randomness that kind of happens in Lynch's stuff especially with like uh, Lost Highway and Mulholland mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's very uh, even though it's all over the map time wise. Timeline-wise, it's pretty linear too. <laughs> yes, yes. There, you are. You are able to follow the story for the most part, uh, and for the things that you can't. On, again, on that second watch, on the second watch, like we're doing now, it makes a lot more sense to me. I'm able to catch a lot of it. I'm able to put a piece it together. This is something that I think when you watch the first time. It, you get a different experience than when you watch the second time. Um, and it's amazing to have that on an eight-part. I mean, I, I would akin it to somewhat of the usual suspects, right? There's all this stuff that on your first viewing is laid out there for you to find, but you don't know what you're looking for, and you don't know what's going to happen, and you don't know what those things mean. And so when you get to the end, you go, whoa. The difference, though, in this one is that 
rather than there being a twist, which there is a twist ending. Let's let's be fair. There is a big twist ending at the end of this series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when you go back and watch the second time, it's like that experience, but I feel like it's somewhat richer because you're there's not you're still able to have an interpretation at the end of what's going on but you can catch all the clues and where it's going to be leading you to so yeah it is it's a deeper experience watching it the second time yeah and it's it's, you get to catch more of the humor like i I, especially the first time through since you don't know what's really going on with dougie it it, it, at times became kind of frustrating because you just kind of like well what what is this you know now that we know what it is, yes, I can enjoy it more. Yes, because I'm not like waiting for when the shoe drops. Because now I know when it does, and now I'm enjoying that ride, knowing what it, what, it. What, what Lynch is doing here too. I mean, it's called the return because it's it's Cooper's return, mm-hmm. and you it's have his to return from it. the Black Lodge. Yep. Yeah, he you have to earn that fan service, and it's it, yeah. And it, it, I love it. it I, I enjoy it more. I can take in more of the humor. Again, like the take five scene. Oh, God, yes. The second time I watched it, it was like this was – I was on the floor laughing. And then this is the third time I've walked, gone through the return for this podcast. Mm-hmm. And it's still freaking hilarious. To me. Oh, so He's like got the tie on his head. And it's like <laughs> I'm in for the ride now. I'm like I don't have to be like, wondering what's happening Yes. As a Twin Peaks fan, these four episodes throw a lot of information at you. A lot. A lot of information at you. They are really, I mean, they are setting the groundwork for what the other uh, fucking 12 episodes are going to be, or 14 episodes are going to be. Yeah, and so, like, the first time through is overwhelming. It's just Mm -hmm. a lot of, it's information overload, but but they have to. I mean, they just, (laughs) you have to set the groundwork for the story. And, uh, you know, Frost could only do so much with secret history leading up to it because we don't want all these spoilers. (laughs) Right. And that's the other thing, too. Yeah, it goes back to show that secret history really helps when you get into it uh, because it gives you the backstory. It makes some of the sense. You know, we start learning why. You know, when these these fingerprints are a big deal and that there's lo- that there's other, you know, if you didn't read it and you just came in from Twin Peaks, you're going to think Red Lodge, I mean, Black Lodge, White Lodge in Twin Peaks only. No, they're all over. The- I mean, yeah. yeah. Again, I just keep going back to I am so glad you and I got that book and went to that book signing and got that information because it did make even going in the first time. A little bit smoother. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, it does. It sets you up for both Tammy and Frank Truman. I mean, if I hadn't yes. read that book, one, who's Tammy and why is she important? Yep. You know, so like Frost gave her more depth, and then yep. like Frank, is this like you know, like is this supposed to be Harry Truman with a different actor, sort of thing? You know, even though like Lucy says, there's one sick, there's two Trumans. Uh, it's still, I think, we're just with all the information coming at you. Uh, these were kind of like softened a bit. So like, oh, that's Harry's brother. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't have to overthink it or wonder because I had read the book. Yep. Maybe One some point. people who had read the book were like, What's Rob, why is Robert Forrester Harry true? Yeah. Why, wait, who's Frank? Yeah, what the fuck is going on here? And you add the level of trying to figure out what the fuck's going on with Dougie Cooper would have been infuriating, I think. 
Yeah. And I think that's where you have those two lines of fans. And something I want to bring up, because I'm not normally a fan of this, but in this case, I kind of have a problem. I mostly have a problem. I'm not going to say kind of. I mostly have a problem with storytelling across different mediums. It bothers me sometimes. Uh, especially, I'll, I'll say, like, okay, in video games, Right. Um, you know, I have a bunch, I have a brood of children and they're at the age where kingdom hearts is a game they want to play. And there is so many, the plot and the story goes so out there. I mean, it's very, when you really look at it, you can tell that they got a lot of their influence from, uh, Lynch's work, just the way the timelines, the jumping between people, it's very, very Lynchian, which is not an easy go for a fucking kid that's in the Disney Okay, <laughs> it's not an easy, easy hey, thing. Lynch made a Disney movie. <laughs> Straight playing on Disney Plus, man. Yep. And remember that, everybody. David Lynch made a Disney movie. He did make a Disney movie, and if you haven't seen it, owe it to yourself to see it. Um, and the game, you know, it went from the, the PlayStation to the the uh, the what was it? The uh, one of the handhelds. I don't necessarily think it was. I think it was the Game Boy Advance, and then it went to another one. Then it went to another one. Then it went back to the place. It was bouncing all around, and in this too, there were books and comics and stories. And to me, that just feels like disingenuous. It's kind of like right now what's going on with Star Wars. There are so many comics and things like that trying to fill in the plot holes of what happened in those three movies. That I just I don't care. You should have done it in the in the story in the in the three movies. With this, however, and with that movement and the time in between, it makes sense to me in this regard. It's like I can appreciate it. Like for example, if they were going to make a Dune a Dune movie that was set after the events of Dune, and they make another book as a transition to the movie, I would understand that. Uh, you know, if they had done that. With Star Wars, it would have been years apart, and they're like, hey, you're going to want to get this book because, but, you know, they never would do that with Star Wars because, my God, they, Disney wants to put out a Star Wars movie now every two, three years. Well, you, at you, one it was every year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that this part, it worked for me because it was part of the ride, you yeah. know? Yeah, I'm the same way. I, like, tie in stuff. Like, I really don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like I'm not. Uh, it's just who I am. I'm not going to sit and read a book about Star Wars. Right. I just. I just I, I'm just not. I'm not going to read a comic book about Star Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. I. It's just who I am. But like, but my fandom is Twin Peaks, so I'm going to be biased. Right. <laughs> these tie-ins, and it does help. But especially with something, especially with a with a project so cryptic, from one of Hollywood's most cryptic filmmakers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I I enjoy it. I appreciate it because uh, it really kind of helps uh, soften. Yes. And I think the way that it was put together, too, it wasn't a book. We weren't reading a novel, yeah. right? We weren't having to sit there and read these people, you know, he said and she said. It was put in a form of informational data. Yeah. And I think that made it more... Uh, this is you know seminal or seminal to us. You know we're able to ingest it easier than trying to read a story about Darth Vader's feelings or fucking 
what happened on planet you know mafuku i don't give a fuck <laughs> and it also was done by one of the creators it helps yes. too it seems like this was more uh this was this doesn't seem like a cash grab like you know we're beating the dead horse of Star Wars here. Yes. But, you know, that's cash grab. You know, like Disney paid billions of dollars for this thing. They're going to bilk it as much as they can. I, and I don't blame them. That's, that's their business. That's what they do. Yes. And Twin I, Peaks seemed like a passion project for Frost and Lynch to go back and do this. It didn't seem like they're in it for money. And obviously, they're, you know, there wasn't a huge payday for Twin Peaks coming back. No, 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 there wasn't a huge payday coming back. And moving away from Star Wars, let's 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 look at it from another angle. Would the MCU have been as good if you had to read comics and st- books in between each movie to understand what the fuck was going on? Paul, I'm going to tell you something. I don't like the fact that I have to watch all these fucking Marvel movies to understand and. The one that I kind of want to see. That's right. been infuriating me because they put out like 16 movies yes. in between Avengers movies. And I, oh, I got to see, you know, this and that. And oddly, like, this is just a side rant. The only movies of the Marvel Universe I enjoy are the ones that really don't have much to do with the hmm. overall. Yeah, like, which one did you enjoy? Like, which one? Doctor did you Strange. Ah, uh, that's my favorite. Doctor Strange. It was Dr. like Strange my favorite too. <laughs> I mean, it was it was so cool. It was like visually stunning. Uh, I'm a sucker because they used Pink Floyd's Interstellar Overdrive in it. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Benedict Cumberbatch yes. did a good. I just butchered his name, but he does a great job as Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. I, I I I went in watching it not feeling like I needed. Uh, the baggage of having to know what happened in Guardians of the Galaxy five and mm-hmm. Captain America versus you know his his mom or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't. I yeah, so again like I it, to me I just think it's just you know it's, it's that's the Hollywood machine and they're gonna pump these out. Uh, yes, but it, that's where but Twin Peaks feels that. different. Twin Peaks is gonna... different than that. It's very different than that, but I'm just saying, imagine, because it would have been very easy, because it's Marvel, right? Like, they're used to having books and graphic novels and comics. It would have been very, very easy cash grab for them to even do more and say, hey, in between this one, you got to read this book, or you got to read this graphic novel. It would not have gone over. It would not have worked at all. I think well, you just build have... that into the world now, Paul, so wait for Marvel to announce the tie-in comic books. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hang on, I gotta will in that uh, that Trump gets co that gets Trump gets Voldemort. Mm, okay, <laughs> I don't care if I'm going to hell. I just at this point, I'm already in it. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, yeah, I think that that's really this. And again, going in these four episodes, because again, we're repeating ourselves, but I just want to make it very clear that again, these dropped at the same time. So really. Like Joe did, you know, one through four was, this was, we were absorbing all of it as fast as we could. Yeah, in and, one <laughs> Yeah, and that maybe was not the right way to do it. <laughs> no. But, yeah, it's, uh, well, yeah, it's like, it's more enjoyable going back and mm-hmm. seeing, uh, you know, you're, it's, it's a different feel, it's a different ride. The first ride is, that's never going to happen again after nope. you watch a return. Nope. But you nope. can appreciate the stuff that you missed 
that you weren't mm-hmm. looking at because you were busy trying to figure out something else. Mm-hmm. And that makes it much more enjoyable for me. Uh, and then, I, I, again, these uh, bands at the end, I just loved. Uh, it's, a, it's a great way to kind of just end it, break it up. Yes. Uh, break up the, the episodes and end them like that. And even then, Lynch does some kind of cool and weird things with, with the Roadhouse. We'll get yeah. to that. And he starts doing it. But yeah, he starts incorporating what we think is just these kind of concerts at the end. No, they're, it's, it's, it gets more into the story. It gets more into the story. As a matter of fact, um, one of them that we'll get into, a song I very much enjoyed, there's a lot of dialogue in it. And because there wasn't a soundtrack, the only way you could, you know, the only way you could listen to that song was with the dialogue of the people talking. Yeah. Mm hmm. And how it cut away from the from the band to focus on those people talking, and I like I, you know we talked about this and I think I've said it numerous times. I really wish I know it's never going to happen, but God, I wish there was a marathon mode. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's I'm sure somebody's made one. Mm-hmm. It's probably it's out there. I mean, if somebody put all the missing pieces back in a fire walk with me, and made that available. Uh, it's out there. I mean, if it can be done, it's going to be out there. I mean, it just—it's it, it, probably out there. I wouldn't—I would be surprised if somebody hasn't done that already. Yeah, I—I I, you know, I, I haven't really looked to be honest with you. I should look and see if it's been done. Um, once we're done with the podcast, obviously, because uh, I don't want to get too caught up now. Because I'm watching these ones week to week, which is driving me nuts. You know, that's a bad thing to find. <laughs> yeah, I'm—I'm I'm, I'm finding it tough to just, hold, just watch the one episode and. <laughs> <laughs> just stop cold, but I don't want to go far ahead and then uh, try to remember what happened in the episode we're reviewing. That's why I'm doing it week to week. Yep. And speaking of doing things week to week, Joe, what else do we do week to week? We do other things. Uh, this week, uh, for the Joe Down, uh, we mm-hmm. are doing Bull Durham. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, here's, a, here's a spoiler. I fucking hated that movie, <laughs> um, which I think it, it, for the few people I've told, they seem kind of surprised by it. But uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, yeah. So what's going on with uh, you and cast that movie? Well, with cast that movie, uh, we will be coming up here. Uh, we record every two weeks. Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> oh, Yes, we are doing Sphere uh, for our uh, recast. We are doing the movie Sphere. So that should be really interesting for you guys. I'll keep the uh, the uh, dream project a little down. Um, Joe, I want to mention to you, uh, you, uh, the, the, the JoeDown.blog, where everything resides on, was featured in the Minnesota Films Critics Alliance newsletter. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that today. I was uh, full. Uh, I was on the road most of the day today, uh, driving. Uh, so I didn't. I didn't see any of this until I, I got home. So yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, and they absolutely. plug. Uh, they plug. Uh, I think they plugged our, our our podcast too on that. Yes, they plugged the Twin Peaks podcast, the Office podcast, as well as uh, Mr. Baseball. <laughs> Yep. Oh, you guys should have done a pod. You should have done a cast this week. You would have gotten a plug. We would have gotten a plug. But I think this is something that is going to be, uh, you know, they're going to be kind of focusing on, I think, is this newsletter to kind of get people out there listening to things locally. 
so yeah, here you apparently it's very you're... hyper hyperly local uh, uh, in the Minnesota Minnesota area, or at least in this general area. Even though I I, I kind of cheat since I'm in I'm in Fargo, North Dakota, yeah. but I mean I'm just across the river from Minnesota, so it's not. <laughs> well, and you're a Minnesota boy. Let's be honest, you are. It's not. Let's 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 just. <laughs> <laughs> Not I'm a central me. Minnesota boy. That's not exactly something to be proud about. <laughs> no, 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 especially with the Walmart thing that happened. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was really cool. So we got the Office one that we're doing as well, which also is a pet peeve of mine, which I have to watch things weekly. <laughs> I, I love that this is driving you nuts because I, I figured this was a good, the Office is going to be a show that you're going to like want to go all in on and you can't. I can't. <laughs> I know I can't. It's it's right yeah. now. It's okay, because <laughs> again, we just went through the first season, and we we've kind of discussed it that most people start on the second season and say that's the official start of the show. So I dip my toes in the water. Yep, Oops. and then uh, this episode, the week, this episode, this week for bears, beats, and bobbleheads. Uh, it's. Uh, it, it, I, 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 there's one thing that it's kind of an ongoing thread in our podcast is my shock of recognition with, uh, with Stanley's basketball playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the basketball episode where, yes, uh, it is the uh, basketball the office, episode. The office plays the warehouse in the, in the game of hoops over who's going to work the weekend. Yes. And again, it was my first time ever seeing it. So if you want to listen to that, you know, jump on over. Everything you can find is on the JoeDown.blog. Um, you know, we got links to our um, YouTube. We got links to the SoundClouds. Um, we are now on Google Podcasts. We're up and running on Google Podcasts. So now we got Google Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Nice. So there's no reason not to listen to us talk, people. No, no, there really isn't. Uh, and so I guess, you know, that's all I got going on. What do you, Anything else, Joe? Uh, I don't really have anything else, uh, on my plate, uh, this week, uh, Bull Durham, uh, next week's Joe Down, uh, I'm excited for, it's, it's Foxcatcher. Yes. Uh, interesting story, if none of you have looked into it, uh, one, uh the heir of the DuPont fortune <laughs> really got into re- wrestling. Oh, God, and, uh, yes. Played by, uh, Michael Scott himself, Steve Carell. <laughs> Yes, this is a fascinating, fascinating story. And when this movie came out, I went all in. You know me and my going all in on things. Because I was like, this can't be as bizarre as what it shows. And <laughs> It's more bizarre. <laughs> it's more bizarre than what it shows. Yeah, Netflix had that documentary on it. And I think there was a maybe there's an ESPN 30 for 30 on it too. Maybe that's the same thing I'm thinking about. But yeah, it, <laughs> holy buckets, this is it, it's weird, man. It's, it's a weird story. Weird. It's super, super weird. <laughs> and it's dark. It's dark. Yeah, it's, it's a dark story. Yeah, but it doesn't get any bluer than this, Paul.